to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. Everybody, welcome to episode 119 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about the Emperor and his new clothes. Or rather, lack thereof. If you've never heard the story of the Emperor's new clothes, you're gonna. And if you've heard it before, you're gonna hear it again. Because this story is too fucking important. It's too on point. It's too poignant. It's too fucking real for reality. Lately, I've struggled with the absurd nature of what's unfolding around us. And while I know it's real, I struggle to accept it. And that's what this story's all about. It's about how everyone sees the fallibility of the narrative. Everyone sees the flaw in the logic. Everyone sees the mirage for what it is. The magician pulling the rabbit out of the hat induces one of two responses. Either a suspension of disbelief. In other words, a willing, full ignorance. Or a rational critique. Saying, I know it's an illusion. The question is, how? And that's what we've been living through. We've been living through an illusion which we all see. 
especially the longer it goes on, we all recognize it's an illusion. But some people are so bought in. Some people have so much to lose by admitting it for what it is that they will die defending the mirage. You follow? So what I have for you is the full story of the emperor's new clothes told as it should be in the old way. And after that story, I've got a series of clips from very recently that to me feel like a perfect mirror image for this story playing out in front of us as we speak, right? We're living in a time not so dissimilar from the fairy tales from the tales of the Bible, from that of you know any one of your favorite authors. I'm looking at my shelf and I see Vonnegut. And I can't help but think we might be living in Cat's Cradle or maybe Harrison Bergeron. But I wanted to put this little clip reel together because I think it it expresses, it illustrates a point. You're going to listen to this fairy tale and then you're going to listen to some modern day talking heads, if you will. And I've done a little bit of editing in the process and I hope it's entertaining, but I also hope it bangs home, you know, it pounds clear the point. I hope by the end of it, you see what I see, a pattern, a pattern most clearly and articulately illustrated by the fairy tale that will start this episode. Because the metaphor is a good one. I was about to say perfect. It might be perfect. Of how people are deceived. And how despite seeing the truth, one might convince themselves not to believe it. From the pen of Hans Christian Andersen, the tale of the Emperor's New Clothes. Many years ago, on the side of a hill, 
there stood a great city. Atop the hill, in a splendid castle, lived the emperor. Now this emperor was exceedingly fond of new clothes. He spent all his money on being well-dressed. He cared nothing about reviewing his soldiers or going for a ride in his carriage except to show off his new clothes. Here it was rarely said, the king's in the throne room, for he usually wasn't. And instead of saying the king's in council as one might about any other ruler, here they always said, the emperor's in his dressing room. The vain emperor could be found posing before his mirror in one new costume after another. He had a suit of clothes for every hour of the day. Each day, many strangers came to the great city, and among them one day came two swindlers claiming to be magic weavers. Yes, Majesty. We use magic thread that has a way of making itself invisible to certain types of people. The thread will become invisible to those unfit for office and to those who may be unusually stupid, which of course eliminates anyone from here, sire. Unfit for office or stupid? Just the clothes for me, thought the emperor. If I wore them, I'd be able to discover who in my kingdom is unfit for his post. I could also tell the wise from the foolish. Yes, I certainly must get some of those clothes right away. I'll pay the weavers to start at once. Here's your bag and yours. Ha! The swindlers set up a loom and pretended to weave, though there was nothing on the loom. They burned candles far into the night to count their money. Gold! <laughs> I wonder how those weavers are getting on, the emperor thought. But he felt uncomfortable about going, thinking about that magic thread. So he ordered his minister to visit the weavers. The minister was a sensible man who did his duty well. Minister, will you please examine the texture of the cloth, the patterns, the pretty colors? They're priceless. We're certain that you're going to approve. Uh -huh. He saw nothing. He felt nothing. He stared as hard as he dared at the empty loom. Isn't it just gorgeous, Minister? Isn't it a priceless work of art? Heaven help me, thought the minister. I can't see anything at all. But he didn't say so. To admit to the swindlers that he saw nothing would be to admit that he was unfit for office or stupid. He imagined what the emperor would say. The emperor would certainly discharge him. The minister would become the laughingstock of the kingdom. That would never do. Uh, why, it's magnificent. I'll report to the emperor. He'll be delighted. This is a work of art. And that is what the minister reported to the emperor. Presently, the emperor, still uncomfortable when he remembered that those unfit for office would not be able to see the fabric, decided to send another trustworthy official to see how the work was progressing and when it would be ready. The same thing happened to him that happened to the minister. I have come to see the clothing that you are making for the emperor. Would you show me where it is? Why, right here on the loom, sir, under your very nose. <gasps> now, of course, the official couldn't see anything because there was nothing to see. But with the swindler staring at him, he said nothing. 
Isn't it a beautiful piece of cloth? Why, it's exquisite, cried the official, fearing for his job. What beautiful colors, what lovely patterns. I'll tell the emperor at once. With everyone talking of this splendid cloth, the emperor could control his curiosity no longer. I shall go to the weavers and inspect the fabric myself. <coughs> there were the swindlers, working hard. As you see, sire, we have nearly completed our work on your magic garment. We trust you'll find that all is completely satisfactory. Uh, we have to move the buttons a bit higher to emphasize your majesty's broad shoulders. But aside from that, sire... Magnificent! My, but aren't those all just the prettiest colors? Isn't their use of pattern absolutely brilliant as well as daring and bold, your majesty? What's this? thought the emperor. My minister can see the cloth. My chancellor can see it. Obviously, the weavers can see it. But I can't see anything. Oh, this is terrible. Am I a fool? He thought. Am I unfit to be the emperor? What a thing to happen to me of all people. But nothing could make him say that he didn't see anything. He laughed and said the garment was very pretty and ordered the chancellor to give the swindlers more money. At last came that great day when the swindlers delivered the Emperor's new clothes. I'm draping the robe now, Your Majesty. Light as spider silk, isn't it? One would almost think he had nothing on. But that's what makes these garments so fine. They give you complete freedom of movement. The minister observed. The colors, Majesty. Each shade is so very suitable. The Chancellor observed. The patterns, I must say, they are exquisite. The ladies-in-waiting agreed with the gentlemen of the court that the outfit was magnificent. Unnoticed, the swindlers sneaked out with their final payment of gold, while the Emperor prepared to show off his new clothes. Everyone marveled. Nobody would confess that he didn't see anything, for that would prove him unfit for his position, or a fool. Isn't the Emperor's new costume just superb? And it fits him to perfection. Indeed, no costume the Emperor had worn before was ever such a complete success. Then, suddenly, from the crowd... <laughs> the Emperor has no clothes on! At first, there was absolute silence. No one knew what to say. Was their Emperor actually wearing no clothes? Then, one person began to whisper to another about what the child had said. The Emperor began to blush. An innocent child had said the Emperor was wearing no clothes. He hasn't got anything on! The whole town cried out at last, and they started to laugh. 
emperor stood petrified, for he suspected they were right. When it was suggested that the procession return quickly to the castle, the emperor agreed. Had he learned his lesson? Time would tell. Take it back to COVID for a second. In one way, and we got very lucky that COVID wasn't worse than it was, right? You know, it could have been much, much worse. It could have been 10 times as deadly or, or, you know, 50 times as deadly. And we would have, we would have lived through, or many of us wouldn't have lived through something truly awful. But, um, mm. had COVID been worse, you know, uh, just enough worse to really get our attention, to really be undeniable, we would have had a different political conversation around it. There wouldn't, there wouldn't have been the same kind of vaccine skepticism. Brett Weinstein would not have been releasing 80 straight podcasts on the dangers of the vaccine if a few variables were changed. I mean, just, just take that, leave COVID exactly as it is, but just make it preferentially dangerous children rather than to old people, right? You just flip that mm -hmm. around. The, the the variable of age if kids were dying by the hundreds of thousands from from covid at a rate of whatever it was you know one percent say um mm -hmm. but if it was pretty much all kids we we would have had a very different experience right and right. and the patience that there would have been no fucking patience for vaccine skepticism mm -hmm. right and we everyone would have recognized that this is not my body my choice this is, you're not going to kill my kids with your, with your ignorance, right? And uh, you change one other variable. What if the vaccines actually really did block transmission much better than they in fact did? We use magic thread that has a way of making itself invisible to certain types of people. The thread will become invisible to those unfit for office and to those who may be unusually stupid, which of course eliminates anyone from here, sire. Right, now there was a moment where it was only rational to expect them to block transmission. Turns out they don't, don't do it nearly as much as we would hope at this point. Uh, they just shorten the window by, by which, you know, during which transmission is possible. Uh, uh, if they're even doing that now, I don't know. The swindlers set up a loom and pretended to weave, though there was nothing on the loom. They burned candles far into the night to count their money. Gold! <laughs> Let's say the vaccines really did block transmission, but then nothing else was, you know, all of the other mishigas about how, you know, untested they are and how dangerous they yet might be and the spike protein and blah, blah, blah. Leave all that in place. Just give me a little more transmission blockage and give me kids being preferentially killed or, or injured by yes, this, right. this disease. The, it, the, the obscenity of much of what was, uh, was said, what much of what was said about COVID at the time at which it was said, you know, the, 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 the conspiracy thinking, the platforming of people who were obviously unwell and unbalanced professionally and mentally around, around mm -hmm. vaccines uh, and their skepticism 
the patience for that would have been non-existent, right? And so we so in, in some sense we got unlucky mm-hmm. uh, at how benign this was and how mysterious it it could yet seem. <laughs> Yeah, you could you could run the argument. Well, did he die from COVID or with COVID? He was 80 years old, mm. right? Um, yeah. We, you know, that was the situation we were in. I'm saying that there 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 are changes in the real world that could have happened and could yet happen. That <laughs> would be would have been immensely clarifying, right? And mm-hmm. there just would have been no there would have been no less is the just that I'm just asking questions routine would have not gotten anyone anywhere worth going right and that's um i think there so you know to part of what we're talking about here is you know with respect to trump and with respect to covid are just contingent facts of these you know unique situations which had they been a little bit different um we would we wouldn't have fragmented in the same way right you dial up the you dial up the risk of covid you know, or if, if COVID just had been, you know, just made you physically ugly, <laughs> right? Like if, like if, if COVID was monkeypox, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you had pustules on your face, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. That's, that's different than the hypothetical experience we all had of, yeah. do I, is it a cold? Is it a flu? Is it COVID? Who knows? You know, yeah. you know mm-hmm. like we just, I'm not saying I wish for those things because those are pictures of 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 a worse you know worse suffering for people. But <laughs> had those things been in place, um, I just don't think we would have witnessed the same kind of shattering of our society around this particular variable. The vain emperor could be found posing before his mirror in one new costume after another. He had a suit of clothes for every hour of the day. There would have been no fucking patience for vaccine skepticism, mm-hmm. right? And we, everyone would have recognized that this is not my body, my choice. This is, you're not going to kill my kids with your, with your ignorance, right? And uh, you change one other variable. What if the vaccines actually really did block transmission <laughs> much better than they in fact did? Then one person began to whisper to another about what the child had said. The emperor began to blush. An innocent child had said the emperor was wearing no clothes. He hasn't got anything on. The whole town cried out at last, and they started to laugh. Let's just pause it for a second. It's just like you can't make this up. This is what they're reduced to. This so he says first before he says change one other variable. He goes, man, if kids were dying, there would have been none of this my body, my choice thing. It would have been obvious. You don't have the right to kill my fucking kids. It's like, but what? What if the argument was that this won't stop you from killing your kids? Now I understand. He's again. He's probably right. But because we would have been irrational in that situation. I might have been too. I'm not even like saying I'm I'm above that, uh, man. If kids are in danger, like I don't know if if COVID was killing kids the way COVID is killing uh, old sick people, I w- would probably be living like Howard Stern is living. 
I mean, not in as nice of a house, but I would literally be like in the middle of fucking nowhere on a fucking, you know, not that different than where I am now, but I would have been in the fucking in the middle of the country on the top of a mountain living with no one coming over to my house, just doing shows online, not going out and doing stand up shows like being crazy. I don't know if my if I thought my kid's life was a check and maybe I would have fallen for all the vaccine propaganda. I don't know. I could I could imagine if my kids if I thought my kid's life was at risk being driven that crazy by it, you know, maybe um, that's it's a it's a much different fear to think your kids might be at risk of dying than to think like, you know, your great grandma might be. It's just different. Um, but his point is like that we would have felt this way, but he's still not making the case that it would have been rational to feel that way. And then he goes, now change one other variable. The vaccine actually works from stopping transmission. You're like, okay. Heaven help me, thought the minister. I can't see anything at all. But he didn't say so. To admit to the swindlers that he saw nothing would be to admit that he was unfit for office or stupid. He imagined what the emperor would say. The emperor would certainly discharge him. The minister would become the laughing stock of the kingdom. Well, that's a pretty big variable to change. Yeah, then in that case, maybe you'd have an argument. But if you don't have that, then you have nothing. Then you have not, Then you just have pure irrationality. Like, what are you saying? How do you hear these words coming out of your mouth and not go, oh, wait a minute. This is, I'm really giving away the game. What if the skies opened up and God told us to listen to Fauci because he's actually correct and he single-handedly handed him the vaccine that certainly didn't come from a lab and it was out of nature because he messed up with the bats, but... He was going to make it up to us by giving us the vaccines. What if that happened? By the I mean, way, if we're dude, playing what ifs. Oh, but you know what? That's such a great little uh, response, Rob, because I didn't even think of that, Rob. But that is fucking great. But it's a great response to him because he's such a hardcore atheist. <laughs> you go, you know what? What if there were fuck there was fire falling from the sky and like one out of every five people were dying? We simply would not tolerate these atheists telling us that this wasn't the avengeful God coming down to take us. And now here, change one more variable, one more little variable. The skies opened up and God told us that he exists. Now, <laughs> now how are you looking, atheists? <laughs> yeah, that would change things a lot, right? Right? But the, that's not the case. So, okay, I, I don't know. Like, again, it's just these things like I, I, I was thinking this the other episode when we were taking on Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson. Where it's just like, I just try to go to be fair. I go, I, like, I, I just can't imagine us ever using this argument against someone. Like, let's say, like, I, I believe in God. Uh, you, you're a, a dirty atheist Jew, but I believe in God. And I'm just saying, if I was ever arguing with someone, which I, I wouldn't care to do. I mean, I'm not going to argue with an atheist that God exists or something like that. But if I was, I just could never imagine using that argument. Like, <laughs> If I used that argument, I think all of you, and I think, Rob, you would go, Dave, come on, man, you can't. I go, okay, well, just imagine this. Change a couple variables. The skies open up and God tells you he exists. I think you'd be like, well, yeah, then I wouldn't be an atheist either if that was the case, but I don't know. Like, he's, What does that prove to say? He's essentially saying, but what if we were right about everything? Everyone marveled. Nobody would confess that he didn't see anything, for that would prove him unfit for his position, or a fool. 
what if the vaccine was ultra deadly and what if the va- I mean, what if the virus was ultra deadly and the vaccine cured it? Well, then you would have been right. But you were wrong about everything. So why not listen to the other scientists that came forward with information? Why censor them? And then why after the fact go, well, we well, we're still the right people and we still need to be empowered. Why, why would that be the end result? But nothing could make him say that he didn't see anything. He laughed and said the garment was very pretty and ordered the chancellor to give the swindlers more money. Well, he's kind of, he's, he almost seems to be arguing that it's like, basically, we were right. Um, but it's only just by a chance of, a, a stroke of luck that, you know, the, um, like the death numbers weren't that bad and the vaccine wasn't that good. So it's not so obvious that we're right. But if only these numbers had been a little bit more off, then it would be obvious that we were right. Except the problem with that is that you ha- you're, it's not clear that you're right at all. You weren't right about any of this. Then suddenly from the crowd. <laughs> the emperor has no clothes on. And, and when you ch- if you don't change those variables and keep the variables the way they actually are, then it's like, oh, no, Weinstein was completely right. And you're wrong about everything. Yeah, he's trying to paint a picture that um, it's by a stroke of luck that other people got this right. And we shouldn't think that those are intelligent individuals, nor should we yeah. trust them on future issues. The uh, elite or the elite for a reason. There's a reason why they give guidance and they just got unlucky with this guidance. The problem with that argument is that you had very smart individuals. You had the, what was the Brownstone Institute who put out the great Barrington declaration, but those were some of like the elites from universities who were criticizing lockdowns in the COVID regime and they were just censored. So it's not, there were plenty of like high intellectual individuals who got this right. There was plenty of opportunity to have discussion. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not just luck. It's not like people like me even were looking at this and just took the opposite side and just got lucky. We looked at the information and said, hey, you guys are locking us down without reason or basis, and this doesn't make any sense. And you censored the yeah. information. Yeah, look, and, and and I'll say I think that probably um, I, you know, I, I'm sure for both of us that our pre-existing biases, you know, played a role. In it, like there, there's no question that I came into COVID, and a lot of my, um, uh, you know, a lot of my bias would have been toward, you know, believing in liberty and being a, opposed to government tyranny and being uh, believing that the corporate press are a bunch of blood-soaked liars, you know what I mean, and like all of that. And so it was easier for me to believe that. It just happens to be the case that liberty is the correct policy and politicians are full of shit and the corporate press are a bunch of liars. So like, I, it worked out well for me. I just think I had the correct uh, preconceptions about this. But that that is like true, and you, you know, I don't know. It's it's it certainly like made it easier for me to to take the position that I took. And I think for a lot of other people who were like believed in kind of the um, the uh, kind of technocratic scientific class. Isn't it a beautiful piece of cloth? 
Why, it's exquisite, cried the official, fearing for his job. What beautiful colors, what lovely patterns. I'll tell the emperor at once. This was like they were more predisposed to feel that way, you know? And and so, but if you're just looking at things objectively, what you would do is say, okay, I have my bias, you have your bias, but let's look at the actual facts. You wouldn't go, that you can just imagine a situation where all of the facts are different from what the facts actually are. And wow, the other side doesn't look too good now. Indeed, no costume the emperor had worn before was ever such a complete success. From what we knew at the beginning of COVID to what we know today, what do we know about the vaccine today that we didn't know while we were all testing it in America taking it? What have we learned now? What do you mean testing it on America? There were tests before it was released. Nine months is not a long time to test. No, but it was it. tested. Yeah, but nine months. The average is thirty. The average is five to ten years. I mean, nine months is not uh, enough. Okay, so you have to, to say, test. No, you have to ask. Hold on. It was tested on in trials. Okay. By the way, I'm, I'm not claiming to be the expert on all this. I read all the same things you have, mm -hmm. but I'm a scientist, so I read it as a scientist. Okay. The vain emperor could be found posing before his mirror in one new costume after another. He had a suit of clothes for every hour of the day. There were trials. That's what the point of phase one, two, three trials are all about. They are tested enough to get data on how to then advise the larger population. Yes, it was tested. For you to say it wasn't tested is it is a gap between your awareness and understanding how things work and what actually happened. We use magic thread that has a way of making itself invisible to certain types of people. The thread will become invisible to those unfit for office and to those who may be unusually stupid, which of course eliminates anyone from here, sire. It was tested. If you want it to be tested on millions of people instead of thousands, you can put in for that. You can say, I don't want this unless it's millions. That's okay. Totally fine with me. Okay. I, I'm okay with that. that that's but, fine. But the, but, right, but, so, so based on that, do you say, let's keep testing it while the virus keeps spreading? Okay? Right. So this is, this is the contest between the information you have available to you at that moment and what's going on outside the lab. We use magic thread that has a way of making itself invisible to certain types of people. People are dying. Hospitals are becoming overloaded. So, do you say, we have good data on the thousand. It's not yet at a million, in case you wanted a million. Are you going to say, let's still do it on another, let's wait another six months so we get another million in here? Will you do that as a public health no, professional? No, I, I would have said allow the individual to still have a choice that's okay with a thousand instead of a few million. Leave the person have the choice. Not force him to take it or else you're going to get out of the Marines and you've been doing this for 14 years. Not force him to take it or else you have to quit your job there's, as a nurse. There's, there's a public it's health... force versus there's a choice. There, no, no. Um, there's a public health contract that you have signed. <laughs> implicitly as a citizen of a country where in part we depend on each other. <laughs> for health, our wealth, our security, and the like. And that contract is, in the best scientific evidence available at the time, 
if you do not get vaccinated, you will put other people in this organization at risk, and that organization does not want to take that risk. So you do not have this job anymore if you decline it. So in, w- with any public health decision, there has to be a consequence to you not participating in that social contract. Is it your job? In some cases, it was. But no, we're not going to have the army bust into your home and force a needle into your shoulder. That's not going to happen. We pretty much did that. Well, only uh, put your job at risk, yes. Yeah, 67% of Americans took to COVID. That's force. That's not a choice. That's a... That's a lot of force and, and coercing and pushing going on. But let that, me, that's, that's the, yeah, you, you can't go to the school unless you're... Uh, but that's what makes these garments so fine. They give you complete freedom of movement. I think that's bullshit. Mumps. I think that's bullshit. If that's a different me, country. Yeah. But okay, that, would you want a country? No, America is supposed to be the one that offers the most freedom. That's what America is supposed to be. Yeah, okay, so watch. So, watch, so, watch. so if, for example, so, for example, if you use that argument, so uh, somebody may say, well... Freedom of choice. I want to choose what I want to do with the body. You're right. What you body? get to what body? If you want to get an abortion, it's your oh, choice. Your own body. Your own body. Sorry. If you want to uh-huh. get an abortion, get an abortion. If I want mm-hmm. to get the vaccine, I get to choose. So you can't force. If, if I can't force you to get an abortion, you shouldn't be able to force because me to get that. Because it's not about you. It's about people you interact with, and that's the social contract of public. But we health. don't. We- Everyone marveled. Nobody would confess that he didn't see anything, for that would prove him unfit for his position or a fool. Don't even know if the vaccine worked or not at the time. Yes, that's what the trials are, dude. That's why these trials. What, are you missing data out but, there? But let me. Then one person began to whisper to another about what the child had said. The emperor began to blush. An innocent child had said the emperor was wearing no clothes. He hasn't got anything on. The whole town cried out at last. Let me ask you a question. Are we saying only one type of scientists are right? No. We're saying that the system in place. The 16,000 that signed that. No, no, no. The the system in place to test vaccines. There's an entire system that's in place. Everyone marveled. Nobody would confess that he didn't see anything. For that would prove him unfit for his position or a fool. That, that with review boards and all of this, yeah, the average- that's in place. Now, you can say, you can ch- what you can say is, I, I have a better idea than all these review boards and all these agencies and the CDC. I have a better idea. Here's what you should do. And that would have made everything better. Heaven help me, thought the minister. I can't see anything at all. But he didn't say so. To admit to the swindlers that he saw nothing would be to admit that he was unfit for office or stupid. He imagined what the emperor would say. The emperor would certainly discharge him. The minister would become the laughing stock of the kingdom. Okay, you can put forth that idea. But what I'm saying is, in a case where you can contaminate someone else, it's not about you. It's about the collective You're assuming. health. You're assuming. You're assuming because somebody can take the vaccine. Uh, won't get COVID, which, by the way, I don't need to play the clips for you to see it where everybody said, hey, if you get it, you're not going to get If you take the vaccine, you're not going to get a Rachel Maddow, Joe Biden. I can give you Fauci. I can give you fit. And you've seen these clips before. It's not like you've never seen it before. Everyone marveled. Nobody would confess that he didn't see anything, for that would prove him unfit for his position or a fool. Yeah, yeah, what happened? They was, were wrong. Hold on. So. So. <laughs> The emperor has no clothes on! 
At first, there was absolute silence. No one knew what to say. Was their emperor actually wearing no clothes? Um, the strain evolved, okay? Indeed, no costume the emperor had worn before was ever such a complete success. So that the vaccine that prevented you from catching COVID was tuned to the variant of COVID at the time the vaccine was denied, what was designed, okay? So let me move now to Mr. Hamlin. Now he suffered a blow to his chest, which has been known in other activities to actually to cause the kind of cardiac arrest that he experienced. Yeah, right away, 12. there was those disinformation, uh, almost evil people out there. That, well, that would be us, John. Disinformation, almost. We're not quite, we're almost. All we do is just play these clips where we get, well, how are we evil? Because we're disinformationists. Those disinformation. We're playing the clip. Disinformation. Uh, almost evil people out there that, aha, this had to be COVID-related. Myocarditis associated uh, with the vaccine, myocarditis being an inflammation of the heart muscle. All I can tell you at this point, there are no data, none, nothing, that would support that COVID vaccination or COVID infection even had anything to do with this particular event. Even COVID infection could have nothing to do with this event. This is great. And I, uh, found, out why, I found that to be a botch. I think it's a botch, too. Even though the no disinformationists or almost evil people said, hey, man, maybe it's because of COVID. He's just throwing that out. And that's a mistake because he has to make sure that long COVID, long COVID is on deck for the blame. And, and long COVID is probably because you waited too long to get your booster. COVID vaccination or COVID infection even had anything to do with this particular event. And it does nothing to promote uh, anything about the truth, just to continue to say that and to cause this kind of fear and panic about the vaccine. So I hope no one, no one will avert getting the vaccine who should, as we've talked so many times before about who those people are based on this case alone. And uh, while I don't believe whether it be Grant's case or whether it be, uh, you know, Mr. Hamlin's case, we're going to see those people change what their messaging is. But we in the public should not stand for that. We can't stand for that. Put it down every time you see it. Don't be afraid to put it down. It's what we should do. And and as part of this podcast family, this is how we take care family. of each other. Put that information <laughs> down. I don't know, but I, I want to be a podcast family too. I don't, I don't What's want a to... podcast family he's, he's talking he's about? He's got a podcast. I don't know. He's, well, he's... if he's going to be bitching and moaning like that, I, I want to play that clip that came out that everyone sent copies around. Of the BBC cardi or the cardiologist that was allowed on BBC. I have it. I don't know how old this clip is, but it's not very old. Yeah, uh, who I came out? I have it right here. Yeah, I have it too. Oh, that's why and I have it. <laughs> the, <laughs> All right. This guy uh, comes on the BBC and they let him go. I'm. It, this was shocking to everybody. Like, why didn't they cut this guy off or give him the? Or, I can't hear you anymore. Which is <laughs> our, our all-time favorite. Hey, hey, sorry, we're breaking up. Yeah, okay, here we go. On top of that, Louis, so one of the reasons I think this is coming to the news just now is obviously there's been a big concern uh, recently around excess deaths. Now, the British Heart Foundation have said, certainly during the pandemic or since the pandemic, there's been 30,000 
excess deaths specifically due to coronary artery disease. That's my area of expertise. And they're trying to figure out what's causing it. Analysis I've done, and even Carl Hennigan, the director of Central Evidence-Based Medicine Oxford, suggests that statin pills prescription hasn't reduced since the pandemic. So it's unlikely to be a cause. But what is almost certainly, and I, if you allow me to say this, Lequesta, what I, my own research has found is that the COVID mRNA vaccines do carry a cardiovascular risk. And um, I've actually called for the suspension of this pending an inquiry because there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment about what's causing the excess deaths. Some of it will be ambulance delays. My own father, it was reported on BBC News in um, late 2021, uh, I was the first to actually highlight the ambulance delays because my own father suffered a cardiac arrest at home and the ambulance took 30 minutes. And when his post-mortem came out, he had very severe coronary artery disease, which is unexplainable. I then published in a peer-reviewed journal, they accepted my findings that the likely cause of his death was two doses of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine he had six months earlier. So what you're saying in terms of the mRNA link to cardiovascular risk is that that is a proven it's been proven medically has it scientifically yeah yes Luquesa. so in medicine you know in any research that we do it's very difficult to always be absolutely conclusive so we mm. go on like and there are lots of data now the original trials of pfizer and moderna with mrna vaccines showed and i just want to put this in absolute terms because we don't want to scare people unnecessarily mm. But the absolute risk of serious adverse events was at least one in 800. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of those are cardiovascular. And then it, you were more likely in those trials to suffer a serious adverse event than to be hospitalized All with right. COVID early on. We should be reassured that Omicron and what's circulating is really no worse than the flu. And this is really time to pause the vaccine rollout and to really okay. investigate this properly. Yeah, okay. We have to get you, get you off. There's no good. Um. One of the most... So, so um, my point is, hey, why is Ulster home bitching about us? A question. Why do you keep rattling your mic when you start talking? It's, I haven't heard oh, that before. Uh, you keep this, doing this every single time. Uh, something's loose. Oh, okay. Without telling a lot of people about it, but congratulating themselves for it, these Democratic attorneys general set up the system in cooperation with the social media companies were in, under the guise of election security, and in order to get rid of misinformation, mm-hmm. misinformation, a made-up word, by the way, right. which combines disinformation, which is a purposeful propagandist uh, spreading of knowingly false information, they combine it with the word misinform. Mm. And a person can be misinformed so if we say that you're not spreading disinformation, accusing me of spreading disinformation is probably defamatory because you're saying that I know it's false and I'm lying. But if you make up a word and call it misinformation, mm. you've got a little bit of daylight in case <clears> I come <throat> after you. Because, you know, Ron, it's not your fault. You're manipula- It's your fault that you're letting yourselves be manipulated by the Russians, but you don't really know that it's true. You're just stupid enough to think that it's true. All right. Under the guise of election security, under the guise of of protecting America from foreign manipulation of the election system, which we now know from the Twitter files was bullshit. It was made up by the FBI or the people telling the FBI what to make up. Even Yoel Roth, not a hero in this story, except compared to almost everyone else, which is amazing, is pushing back and saying, not I'm really seeing it. <laughs> we're, yeah. check, we're checking the data here. We're not. 
We're not seeing any borscht prints. We're not seeing any empty vodka bottles. We're not <laughs> seeing the evidence, okay, of what you're calling, uh, but, but fine. Back to the state level. They're, they're, they agree, they work out with the social media companies to have a dedicated portal by which consultants working for the state attorneys general using your money are monitoring social media and flagging misinformation and problematic tweets involving mm -hmm. the election. And they then send that information to uh, the social media companies. And amazingly, 99% of the stuff that's flagged gets taken down. Yeah, just coincidental. 99%. Yep. I had, I had multiple friends that were actually in that. Who were taken down th through that program, you're saying? Yeah. I, I, I actually knew people. Uh, Claire Foster, PhD, which is a parody account. Uh, it's a guy, but you know he's pretending to be a girl. But yeah, they they flagged him. I mean, it's un unbelievable stuff. So they, um, we would never have known about this except that Judicial Watch got wind of something, picked up something, and served a Freedom of Information Act or the state version of that in California on the state attorney general, and they realized that this was going on and that in fact my client rogan o'handley had had we well rogan was banned he, he his, his account was taken down in january of 2021 when he made when he he tweeted a tweet that said california elections are rife with corruption there should be a complete audit Banned. Banned. Misinformation. Now remember, this is misinformation that supposedly is affecting elections. It's January. Right. Election day is, I know that in our time, election day is a three-month process, <laughs> but election day is November. You can't vote in January. No. Thanks to Judicial Watch, we found out that it wasn't merely some offended snowflake of the left who was uh, who caused this uh, banning of DC Drano, but rather he had been flagged multiple times by the state attorney general. Once they put strikes on him, it was only a matter of time until he would be uh, sufficiently offensive to be taken down. He, the information was brought to his attention. Once it came out from Judicial Watch, he then contacted me and said, Ron, what can we do? And I said, I got great news for you. Rogan, I'm now with a California law firm. I'm with I'm with Harmeet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I had necessarily even spoken to him since I had joined Harmeet, which was a year or so earlier. And I think we can help you with this. So I turned it over actually to the California team, which is extremely experienced in free speech and which also had the comfort with California law and California constitutional law uh, that I wouldn't have had out here in New York. Uh, and they basically put together this uh, complaint suing the state of California, the state attorney general, a number of other parties in connection with this banning. Why? Why? So we already know that the courts have repeatedly given this great deference to social media companies to ban whomever they want. 
and you've everyone who's listening to this already knows the refrain they're private companies it's a contractual relationship if you don't like it build your own twitter the whole thing there's a bright line unfortunately the courts haven't been so bright about finding that line all of a sudden but in historic classic constitutional law there's a very clear bright line when a party that is private starts acting as an arm of the government mm-hmm. it's not private anymore it's mm-hmm. now the government there are two different kinds of government um involvement with a private company that makes the private company's conduct government conduct it can either be coercion mm-hmm. where the government comes up to you and says here's how it's going to be you're going to do what we say i uh, think of you know your classic civil rights scenario the sheriff comes up to you know uh the, the local restaurant and says listen no colors allowed in this restaurant anymore okay if there are any problems you give me a call i'll make sure that, that we get rid of okay and if you don't townspeople here have told us they don't want it happening we're going to take care of you if there's any problems. So now that's coercion. They've turned that, that restaurant into an arm of the government. Therefore, what the restaurant does can be ascribed to the government. There's gotcha. another kind of government act, which makes a private actor an arm of the government. And that is where they work jointly. Where they both sit down and work out a project and say, listen, we both want this to happen. It's good for me. It's good for you. Again, going down to the the classic, you know, civil rights example, the restaurant owner says, hey, you know, look, no problem. Listen, I don't want them. No one else in town wants them. We'll take it. We're on the same page here. Now they're both working. Now they're both working for the government voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Joint doesn't require a government threat. Now, what happens when the government comes up to your restaurant and says, real nice restaurant you got here, Jeb? It'd be a shame if anything were to happen to it. Sure. So then you can have the argument whether that was coercion, whether that was a threat, but it's going to be one or the other. Okay. That's what happened here. Mm-hmm. Now we brought this case. Actually, we tried to get it heard in Los Angeles County in the hope that we could get it a little bit further away from Twitter land where the judges are pretty much hypnotized. They, they cannot rule against a tech company on pretty much anything. Yeah, I would imagine um, any any judges around San Francisco probably not going to go your it's way. Pretty, it's really it's really something to see. I mean, you, you really you could, you know, to use that Trumpian example, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, and it wouldn't make a difference. You know, you, really, uh, Jack Jack um, I want to say Jack Murphy. I would not say Jack Murphy. Um, <laughs> Jack um, from, from Twitter. Jack, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What's his Just, name? D. I, I don't know. Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Dorsey, thank you. Okay, edit. Fix that. Jack Dorsey. <laughs> Jack Dorsey could have walked out onto right in front of Twitter headquarters with a Tommy gun and, you know, shot up a bunch, uh, you know, a bus full of, of, of nuns. Uh, <laughs> they could be trans nuns. If, if, if Twitter <laughs> did it, it would be completely okay. <laughs> so what do we see? We see that, so we, 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 nonetheless, we're not able to keep the case in Los Angeles County. It ends up in Northern District of California and predictably it's dismissed. They, exactly what you'd expect. 
And the judge wrote a really very long opinion explaining, you know, really going through all the facts and saying, yeah, it doesn't sound like they were really doing, you know, there wasn't really a cause and effect relationship. But, you know, they, they're making they're making suggestions and you're following them. Ninety nine percent, folks. Right. Ninety nine percent. So what do you think? You know, I I think I'm finally breaking through personally with this struggle of trying to convince those that I would like to convince. You know, that's still like kind of part of my motivation for what I do here, but I'm not going to try to appeal to that category of person anymore. Because what I'm starting to realize is that there are those of us who could see that the emperor wore no clothes and admitted it publicly. And there are those who saw and chose to ignore all of their better instincts and all of the better data, all of the information, and do what they thought they were expected to do. What they thought their job was, what they thought the empire would prefer. And it was easy to convince these people because all that was required was a little bit of fear. You know, that's where the metaphor falls apart. In this story, there was no threat. At least no implicit threat. But it is a fairy tale after all. And maybe we can surmise that the fact that it was an empire... And that this emperor would parade around in all of his latest clothing, all his freshest duds, right? And the fact that he is an emperor meant that there is an implication of if you don't say what he wants to hear, you might be at risk. And that goes for his subjects and it goes for his helpers, right? His advisors, his cabinet, whatever you want to call it. And this is a good metaphor for government as a whole. Nobody wants to disappoint the boss. So they'd rather lie even against their best judgment against their own senses against what they have perceived they will go with the narrative that they believe that they are supposed to adhere to as opposed to using their own rationale their own perception their own 
intelligence. And it's sad. It's sad when you see people you know give away their intelligence for the sake of some perceived authority. You know, have you heard about the experiment? I can't remember what it was called, but where they brought people in and there were subjects and then there were experimenters, right? Volunteers on both sides, plants on both sides. So on the ex- experimentation side, you have these these actual test subjects. They they're the actual subjects, right? The people on the other side of the glass are actually actors. And the actors are told to perceive which of three lines is the longest, which is the medium, and which is the shortest. And the people on the other side of the glass are supposed to administer shocks based on their responses. But the catch is... It doesn't really matter if the respondent is correct or not. You know, the test subject who thinks he's part of the experimentation side is expected and told to administer shocks. Like I said, whether or not <clears throat> the respondent is correct or not, they are ju- just told shock the person on the other side of the glass. And the amazing part of this experiment is that most people, the vast majority, continued to shock the person, the stranger, on the other side of the glass until they were non-responsive only because a person in a lab coat continued to tell them to. Now, the unresponsive person, I believe, was an actor planted, told how to behave. But the premise of this experiment is enlightening to show that the average person would punish their fellow man even when all evidence and all ethics tell them not to. The only thing telling them to is public pressure and perceived authority. You know, the difference between the person who pretends to see the emperor's cloak and the and the innocent child who proclaims to all that there is no cloak that the emperor is in fact naked the difference is not in what they see what they can hear or any of that the difference is in their willingness to go against the grain to go rogue, to speak what they see, to call a spade a spade. And why is that so hard? 
you know, if you're listening to the show, chances are you're one of the few who called a spade a spade. While everyone else pretended the emperor was dressed in fine robes, you said, what the fuck? That motherfucker is naked. And good for you if you did. And if you didn't, I hope you're starting to see what the fuck is going on. The emperor is naked. And everyone who claims he isn't is a liar. Now they might be lying for, for you know, understandable reasons. They, you know, they want to protect themselves. They want to keep the status quo. They want to feed their families. They would they want to keep a roof overhead. I understand. When you're dealing with an emperor, it's a lot easier to say what they want you to say instead of what's true. And it's really hard to say what's true if no one else is. But for that one person that stands up in the crowd and says, Bullshit! Good for you. And if you weren't that person, but you but you heard them, and you started whispering and saying, is it bullshit? Am I not the only one? Do you see how naked the emperor is too? This is how we wake up. You know, the emperor's new clothes is about being red-pilled. And it makes sense that it's the innocent child who's the first to drop that truth bomb. Shame on the rest of us. Of course, I'm speaking in generalities, but shame on us for talking ourselves out of the truth. It's a disgusting habit. A child knows when he's lying. An adult has found ways of lying to where he believes he isn't. Now, the last thing I'll share with you, kind of the cherry on this emperor's clothes Sunday, <laughs> you've probably already heard about it. And you, <laughs> if you have heard about it, you may have been thinking about it throughout this episode because it's a prime example of from just a couple of days ago of this exact sort of thing playing out. 
So what I'm going to do, because there's not a whole lot of good audio bites that I was able to find about this, I'm going to read you an article from the New York Post. It says, Woke $10 million MLK penis statue insults black community. Coretta Scott King Kin. This is by Jesse O'Neill. It's very, very short, um, but... I think it illustrates this whole this whole principle of groupthink. So it says, Even some kin of Coretta Scott King hate the new $10 million sculpture just dedicated to her and her iconic civil rights leader husband in Boston, with a cousin claiming it looks like a penis. The massive bronze piece titled The Embrace features two sets of arms holding each other, an artistic interpretation of the classic photo of Coretta and hubby Martin Luther King Jr. hugging after he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. The mainstream media was reporting on it like it was all beautiful, because they were told that they had to say that, Seneca Scott Coretta's cousin told the Post by phone on Sunday referring to the new artwork on the Boston Common. But then when it came out, a little boy pointed out, that's a penis. And everybody was like, yo, that's a big old dong, man, said the 43-year-old Oakland, California resident. If you had showed that statue to anyone in the hood, they'd have been like, no, absolutely not. He wrote scornfully in Compact Magazine, $10 million were wasted to create a masturbatory metal homage to my legendary family members, one of the all-time greatest American families. Seneca told the Post that woke culture allowed the expensive abstract experiment to come to fruition. Members of the King family last week unveiled the artwork near where MLK and Coretta first met in college. Martin Luther King III approved the piece, which was designed by conceptual artist Hank Willis Thomas for the organization Embrace Boston. The artwork's funding was the result of a public-private partnership uh, the city of Boston set on its online site. It is unclear how much public money may have gone into the structure. When we recognize that all storytelling is an abstraction, all representation is an abstraction, hopefully it allows us to be open to more dynamic and complex forms of representation that don't stick us to a narrative that oversimplifies a person or their legacy. And I think that this work really tries to get to the heart of that, the artist said on his website. But Seneca told the Post, The woke algorithm is just broke. I don't know what else to tell you. If you went through all of that and that's what you came up with, something's wrong. Online critics were harsh too, including some who agreed that the work was pornographic. This is awful, the British rapper and podcaster Zuby added in a tweet. Seneca's grandfather was one of 25 children of Jeff Scott, the son of a slave who became one of Alabama's wealthiest black landowners, Seneca said. His grandfather's brother, Obadiah, fathered Coretta, 
who Seneca said he met once at a family reunion before her death in 2006. Seneca told the Post that while he couldn't speak for other members of the family, he felt that the 20-foot-wide, 65,000-pound sculpture was a waste of money that should be melted down. A solid bronze statue? Like, what are we doing here? he asked. It's doubly insulting to the black community, who still, on average, too many of us are below the poverty line. You're spending $10 million on a bronze statue without heads on it? Man, it's a joke. Meanwhile, the best way to observe Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday was through action, Seneca advised. No performative photo ops. Uh, put your phone down and go do an act of service that no one knows about, he said. All right. So I hope you see the point, right? You know, it's another story just like the Emperor's no New Clothes where you have a bunch of yes-men who approve this, this project because they assume it will look good on their record, right? They don't want to be the one in the meeting ahead of time to suggest that perhaps this sculpture has something a little bit too phallic about it. You know, maybe they didn't notice. Maybe they were shown a sketching where it was from the optimal angle. You know, if you have not seen this sculpture, just Google MLK sculpture in Boston, and you will see what I'm talking about, right? So either they approved it without having looked at it from literally all angles, or they approved it even if... Maybe in their own head they thought, oh, that kind of looks like a dick. But they didn't want to be the one to say so. Right? Oh, Emperor, your garments are magnificent. For if I cannot see them, I must be the fool. And apparently, you know, the way that article read, apparently it was literally a child in the crowd at the unveiling of this statue, who was the first one to say, that looks like a dick. And once he said it, there was no denying it. You can't, can't pretend like that's not true. That is the reality of the situation. It looks like a big black cock. The emperor has got no clothes. Are you starting to see my point? Okay, I think that'll do it, y'all. I appreciate you listening. Um, I, You know, I feel fired up again. If you couldn't tell, I, I had a little bit of a slowdown there. I was kind of just dragging ass. But you know what? It's done me a whole lot of good to stay busy working, right? Working at horsepower. It's good. It's something to do. Productive money coming in. It, you know, it has taken some stress off of my shoulders. And it's provided me with a really nice meditative task. 
you know, polishing these these exhaust pipes, I get to just kind of zone into the work and let my mind be free, right? It's a very good winter job for me. It suits me. And it's really, um, like I said, I think it's helped me kind of get back to center. You know, just sitting around doing nothing doesn't ever do me any good. I got to keep moving forward. Every day you don't work towards a better life, you are backsliding. And I'm starting to see that that is very, very true. You know, every day that I've wasted on the couch is a day I will never get back. So I'm fired up, y'all. I'm going to keep putting out episodes. Like I've said, I've got some cool interviews kind of waiting in the wings. So you can look forward to those coming soon. All right. Peace. If you would like to donate to the Easy Peasy Podcast, please go to easypeasygardens.com slash donate. Thanks for listening.